0: Hi, and welcome to the Potter's House Podcast. We thank you for joining us for this week's message. Our message this week is from Pentecost Sunday, and it's brought to us by Pastor Tim Oldfield. The title of his message is, Why an Outpouring? We pray that it blesses you. I just, we were singing, you were talking a while ago, and I just started singing that down there. Seemed good. Good. Man, I feel, I feel the electricity of the Holy Ghost here today. And, you know, let me tell you, I'm, I'm, uh, I was baptized in the Holy Ghost a long time ago, 1977, in a prayer meeting. And that infilling of his spirit changed my life and has continued to change my life to this day. I'm not ashamed of him. I'm not ashamed of how he moves. I'm not ashamed of his, I've been in times of his outpouring that the carnal mind could never understand. But the spirit of God did exploits. And I love my Lord and I love what he has given to us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Let me just say this to you. There's a few things I want to say to you, and then if there's any thirsty hearts here in 2021, I believe he's here to fill them, to fill your being. This is what the Bible said. I'm not making this up. I'm not quoting from somebody that wrote a book somewhere. I'm just telling you what the Bible said in Ezekiel 36, 27. He said, I will put my spirit within you and cause you To walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments, and shall do them. Hosea said in Hosea 6 and 3, He, speaking of the Spirit of God, shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain to the earth. Isaiah 28, beginning in verse 9, said, Whom shall he teach knowledge, and to whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast, for precept must be upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. Isaiah 44 and 3, he said, I will pour water upon him that's thirsty. <laughs> Rocky says something to me this morning about that water that will cause you to never thirst again. He said, I'll pour water on him that's thirsty and floods on the dry ground, and I'll pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing upon your your seed. I look in the Bible in Proverbs 1 and 23, I'll pour out my spirit unto you and make known my words unto you. In John chapter 7, verse 37, beginning... The Bible said it was the last day, the great day of the feast, and Jesus stood, Jesus, not the devil, not some carnal somebody, not some misguided church person, but Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. If you're thirsty today, it requires a response from you to have your thirst quenched. Let him come unto me and drink. And he that believeth on me, he said, out of his belly, he said, this is what the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And this spake he of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. In Acts 1 and 8, the Bible said, you shall be witnesses unto me. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. In Acts chapter two and verse one, when the day of Pentecost, everybody say Pentecost. This has been God's plan from the beginning. You know, I get, I feel like my mind is going to explode when I hear people talk about how this is not for today, baby. This is, this has been in God's heart from the beginning. I'm going to show you that. But when the day of Pentecost was fully come, and they were all in one accord in one place, suddenly, just think about being among the 120 that were gathered in that upper room in Jerusalem. You know, the Holy Spirit moved on Mother's Day. I was going to preach to you about a Pentecostal mother named Mary. Do you know that the mother of Jesus was in the upper room? She saw fire skipping on the heads of those that were there. They were all, in 120, all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind that filled all the house where they were sitting. And cloven tongues as of fire set upon each of them. And they were all, everybody say all, This was a Pentecostal church that Jesus established on the earth. I defy anybody to prove differently by the Bible. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Now, from that day forward, there was no more rushing mighty wind, there was no more fire that was visibly seen. But they continued to speak with tongues throughout the book of Acts when they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Now I just want to remind you today why this happened. Now first let's talk about the place of Pentecost. I want to spend just a minute in Deuteronomy chapter 16 in verse 16. Three times a year, the Bible said, this was the command of God to the people. This was in the heart of God from the beginning. Three times a year shall all your males appear before the Lord your God in the place which he shall choose. Number one in the feast of unleavened bread or Passover. Number two and in the feast of weeks that's Pentecost. And number three in the feast of tabernacles, and they shall, uh, they shall not appear unto the Lord empty. Now they were to meet him three times a year. This was in the heart of God from the beginning. Three times a year. And these particular three feasts that parallel the growing season in the Gregorian calendar were significant. Now, I want to show you how this has always been in the heart of God. Number one, he says, gather at the feast of the Passover. And you read about that in 16, 1 through 8. This was prophetically fulfilled at the cross of Jesus Christ. It was a time when they celebrated at the seed planting time and the time of agricultural pursuits. The cross represents the planting of our seed of salvation and the promises of God in Christ it represents Calvary this was in the heart of God the first time they were to meet this was every year three times the first one was Passover what happened to Passover Exodus chapter 12 was fulfilled the prophetic finger pointing to the supreme lamb of God you remember the story they were coming out of Egyptian bondage and the Bible said that God instructed Moses for all of them to take a lamb for a house. If it was too uh, a small family, they could join with another family. But they would take a lamb. They would sacrifice that lamb. They would catch the blood of that lamb in, in, a, in a vessel. And then they would apply it to their door and around the door. So when the death angel came through, he would pass over them. They would be spared and protected. And can I remind you in John 1 29, the Bible said looking at Jesus Christ, Christ, John declared, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. In 1 Corinthians 5 and 7, he's our Passover. So what Jesus did for you and me, he did eternally what the blood of the Lamb did in the book of Exodus for the people when the death angel passed by, spared and protected. I was born in sin. I was born with enmity against God, but Jesus poured out his blood, and at Passover, while those little wild-eyed lambs were having their throats slit and catching the blood, outside the Lamb of God Almighty was hanging on a cross, pouring out his blood so that you and I would be forever and eternally saved and reconciled to God. Hallelujah. You ought to do better than not giving praise to the Lord. He did that for you. The second... Appointed time every year was the Feast of Pentecost. You'll read that in Deuteronomy 16, 9 through 12. Prophetically fulfilled at Pentecost. It was celebrated at the midpoint of the agricultural year when the first signs of fruit or the first fruits begin to appear. The time of Pentecost is the affirmation that between seed time and harvest, God supplies Jesus went to Calvary. They came together. And you remember in the book of Acts chapter 2, when giving the account of what happened in that upper room said, all this that you now see and hear flows from who? Flows from Jesus. That's what the Bible, that's the record of the Bible. Didn't say it flows from the devil. Because that's what a lot of people would have you to believe. Didn't say it flows from some ignorant, uneducated, backwooded hillbilly because that's what a lot of them would like for you to believe, that's what they believe but everything you now see and hear he said flows from Jesus and so from the beginning in God's plan at the cross then came Passover Pentecost, God poured out his spirit for his spirit to be manifest and move from the time of Passover to the third meeting place, which was Tabernacles. Deuteronomy 16, 13 through 15. Prophetically, this is a prophetic overlay of God's plan. Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles. Prophetically fulfilled the end time harvest and the coming uh, of the Lord. Tabernacle simply meant the holding place Booths. It It represented the holding places that held the harvest. It was celebrated at the end point of the agricultural year at harvest time. Now, you and I have been saved. I don't know how long you've been saved, but however long you've been saved, you've been kept by the Holy Ghost. Which was poured out at Pentecost. But thank God at Tabernacle... There's going to be something new and that's yet to come. And I'm telling you there is coming a time that we're going to experience what Paul talked about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 beginning in verse 16 when he said, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds To meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Hallelujah to God forever. This is all in the plan of God from the beginning. Passover, the cross. Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And Tabernacles, the ingathering of the harvest. This was always his plan. He said three times a year. He is prophetically pointing to the plan of God for man. Now, that's the place of Pentecost. Just to try to help somebody, let's talk about the proof of Pentecost. Do you know, most people can kind of accept the Holy Ghost, right? It's that tongues thing that gets people bent out of shape. Because you know, Grandmama told me tongues was not from God. Heard that preacher say tongues are not from God. I read that book that said tongues are not from God. But won't you read the book? You know what's funny? What cracks me up is what the Bible said, precept on precept, line upon line. And we got to cherry pick one verse of Scripture and try to make it say something that it doesn't say. Or we got to listen to what some somebody in the seminary said. In a book. Tongues. You know, I, I can tell you this. I have this vivid memory years ago being in Central Florida. Uh, Becky and I were in Florida some months ago, and I we drove over to Central Florida. I tried to find the church. I couldn't couldn't find it. I think they had knocked it down and built another one. But I stayed there early in my ministry for six months. I'd preach every Sunday night. My, my buddy would preach and rotate with the pastor every Sunday morning. And during that time, I can remember walking down the street in that little community of Fort Meade, Florida. And I could see people standing and looking and pointing and whispering about us because the Holy Ghost was being poured out in that little church. And I remember one Sunday night, right? Church had been going off about 10 minutes and a group of ladies walked in the back door and sat on the back row. And the pastor, the pastor said to me, I guess it would be okay to say what he said. He's with the Lord now. But he said, uh-oh. And I said, what is it? And he said, these are some of the most prominent members of the big Baptist church in town. And he said, I don't know what they're doing here. And so I just went ahead and preached. And, and you know what God does when people come in that you're hoping to keep things calm. He got, the Lord always messes that up. And I mean, I was young and I I was jumping on the pews and preaching. It was, uh, uh, it was something else. And, you know, I looked back there sometime during the altar service and they're gone. So I thought, well, you know, they must have, they must have had all they can stand. And the next day, the pastor, we were in his home and he's, there was a phone call and he said, uh, he said, uh, he had the phone covered up and he said, it's that woman. She wants you. And I remember going and answering the phone, and and I'll never forget what that little lady, little old granny, said to me. She said, I've been going to church most all my life, and I've never felt power like I did last night. And she said, so I've got a granddaughter that is sick, and she gave me the medical term. I'd be honest, I don't remember what it was. But she said, I'm bringing her over there tonight and let you people put your hands on her. Come back that night, and I could tell the young girl, she she looked to be in her late teens or early 20s, and granny's pushing her. You ever see somebody being pushed to God and they don't want to (laughs) go? And that's how this girl was. And, and, And they pushed her up here, and we prayed over her. And we laid hands on her and she fell out in the spirit. And old granny don't know really what's going on and she's kind of she's kind of excited and I laid hands on granny. And granny started speaking in tongues. As the Spirit gave, the utterance, came back every night, brought more people with her. What I'm trying to say to you, this is not some kind of fly-by-night thing. This is not a flash in a pan. This was in the plan and purposes of God Almighty from the beginning. And he says, whosoever will, let him come and drink. Hallelujah. You know, I'm trying not to get captured here, but I, I remember... Years ago, I've talked to you often about my great aunt, Ruth, and, and her husband, Don. God healed her of cancer. Gave her an extra, I don't know, 12 years. Just totally a miracle healed her. And But I remember in the beginning, they, I was preaching in Dayton where they lived, and they came. You know, they, they just figured they had to, I guess, because I was there. They were not Pentecostal. And they came in dressed, I mean, it looked like a, a senator in his wife they were so distinguished and dignified and they sat in the middle aisle about halfway back and i was in a church in dayton that was very pentecostal and they got to worshiping and they had runners and i'll never forget back in those days we were standing on the platform and i watched my uncle don he sat there like a statue he never turned his head but his eyes when the guy started running he he was like and didn't turn around until the guy came back up over here and he picked him up out of this side and watched him. And same thing with, with Uncle Don and Aunt Ruth. Uh, altar service began, out they went. <laughs> Next night, nobody invited them and there they are. And by the time that meeting was over, Uncle Don and Aunt Ruth are down here. And Uncle Don was about 6'4". And he had on that nice suit. And he came down here and put his hands up. And he said, I'm not sure what this is, but I want it. Yeah. And I, I jumped up there and laid hands on him. And Uncle Don started speaking in tongues and just fell out in the floor. I didn't touch my Aunt Ruth. She just started speaking in tongues and just kind of shaking and shimm- Shimmying. I remember, Rocky, you were there. We were in Palimkotai in southern India. First time I went. It was, and man, we were so far from home. I missed my wife so bad. And when I first got there, Solomon said to me, I'll pay for the phone call. Call your wife. <laughs> I said, oh, I love you more. And I did call her. And I told her, I said, I'm already, and you're tomorrow. Sila. <laughs> I was. And, but on Friday night of that meeting, and that was the time we went when General Overseer of the Church of God was supposed to speak, the the field director of the Church of God was supposed to speak, and I got there and they said, uh, Solomon said, on the way from the airport, they are not coming because of the danger. Because they're killing people. They chopped up two Pentecostal preachers about a mile or two from where we were preaching the week before we got there. With machetes this radical group and so you know me and rocky were just kind of hiding around trying not to be seen and we get down to this polyam and, and they got this big banner across the street welcome to world famous evangelist reverend dr tim ofield <laughs> didn't it <laughs> and i thought oh man all i had to do is come to india to get a doctorate <laughs> it's pretty good Somebody set off an M80 in the street the first or second day. Rocky and me are diving for the bed. Man, we think they're shooting at us. So we were just kind of, and I had to preach every service to that meeting, morning and night. But on Friday night, my life got changed. I remember preaching, and they, they, everything was in Tamil. We couldn't understand anything. And a pastor came to the podium right before they introduced me. And he—I didn't know it at the time—but later I found out he told me he had a dream the night before, and God poured out His fire on the preacher, and through the preacher to the pastors, and through the pastors to the people, and from the people to their communities. And I I got up and started preaching, and I got about 15 minutes into it and started preaching about the fire and the power of God began to move. You know, I know I'm real hesitant to say this, but on that night, I, I felt like I was walking. In the fog. It was, just, it was just like I was standing in fog. And I remember after the service, the, pa- the overseer came in and he said, the people said they couldn't see the platform for the glory of God. It was such a, it was such, and I know a lot of people don't believe that. Go on and don't believe it if you want to. As you believe, so be it done unto you. And I remember that night, we prayed for 300 and some pastors. There's probably about 15,000 people there. And that was the night, way out on the far outskirts, a lady had a cancer on her body. And, and, and all these people coming to this outdoor compound, this secular guy, a, a reporter, came. He's standing back there next to this woman, trying to figure out what all is this going on. And she starts screaming. And, and when she calmed down, he wrote this in the paper the next day. And our picture was in the paper. And she said, she leaned down, He said in his article when she calmed down that she leaned down and picked up a cancer off the ground that had fallen off her body. And he went back and wrote a story. And the headline was, by much prayer, cancer is healed. On that night, I don't remember how many, there were hundreds of people that came to get saved. They had cards on. But I asked if anyone wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And to get up as close as they could to the front. And when they got up in, we started to pray, I didn't see any fire or wind, but I could see the effect of the Holy Ghost starting in the front, and it just moved back. And there were 700-some people filled out cards that they were baptized in the Holy Ghost. And I'm standing there, I could hear them, and it sounded like they were all screaming in Tamil. But the overseer told me, they're not talking Tamil, they're talking some, something else. and and What I'm trying to say to you, to this Pentecostal church, to those of you who are living in a day like we're living in today, that sometimes get intimidated or backed down by people that try to tell you when they don't know anything of what they're talking about. That God is who he said he was. Now, I, I could stand up here for a long time and tell that, but let me say this about tongues. Tongue seems to be the initial response that was present throughout the book of Acts. Now, here's what I learned in reading the Bible. Tongues were abnormal to unbelievers. Not to believers. But tongues were abnormal to unbelievers. As a matter of fact, unbelievers regarded speaking with tongues as abnormal. In Acts 2, 12, and 13, they were all amazed. That was one response. To become astounded or astonished, to be beside yourself. They were in doubt. That is, they were much perplexed and doubting what they were seeing. Saying one to another, what meaneth this? In other words, they had questions. There's a lot of people like that today. Verse 13, others mocking. The word means to jeer at and to mock said, well, these men are full of new wine. Speaking in tongues was abnormal to the unbeliever, but not to the believer. The believers regarded speaking in tongues as normal. And that's what happened in the upper room in Acts chapter 2, because Peter said to them when they came out, was talking to all these people, he said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is not some crazy thing. This is not some kind of manifestation of the flesh. Wasn't the devil up there doing this? This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Your Bible says that. Now, I have for all of my Christian life heard people who tried to speak as an authority on tongues. And they would say, well, tongues are not for everybody. Where did you get that information? And and here's, here's and you need to know this as a Pentecostal person. You need to understand the distinction that you read in the Bible. Because there, it's important that we, we realize the distinction between tongues when you're filled with the Spirit and tongues that are a gift of the Spirit accompanied by the interpretation of tongues. That's two different things the Bible's talking about. And I can tell you how I know that. Number one, let's talk about the distinction of the baptism when when a person speaks in tongues. That's what happened in Acts two four. That's what happened in Acts ten forty six, Acts nineteen and, and six and seven, and again in Acts two sixteen through eighteen, Peter quoted Joel. This is that which was spoken uh, by the prophet Joel, and then in Acts two thirty eight thirty nine. Peter stood up to them and said repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you, your children, and unto all that are far off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. What's he saying? He'll pour out his spirit on who? Some flesh? All flesh. The promise is to everybody and anybody that will dare to believe, Right? But then in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6 through 12, Paul is talking about the gift of tongues, which works in tandem with the interpretation of tongues. The baptism of the Holy Ghost when somebody speaks with tongues is for anybody and every believer, anybody that puts their faith in Christ. The gift of tongues that accompanies and works with the interpretation of tongues is not for everybody. As a matter of fact, the Bible said in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 12 that he distributes to each one as he will. And he goes on in 1 Corinthians 12, 19 through 21, in the context of the gift of tongues with interpretation of Spirit, and says, Not everybody speaks with tongues, not everybody prophesies, not everybody. These are the gifts of the Spirit that God gives to whom he chooses. And so, what people do, they read that. And then they run tell everybody, well, tongues are not for everybody. Well, you need to clarify that. To be filled and baptized with the Holy Ghost when they spoke with tongues is for any believer that will dare to come to him. Oh, I'm feeling a little resistance in the room. I'm just telling you the truth. If you've got a problem with it, go talk to God. It's his, his book. Unless you think God is schizophrenic. Because he said over here, he pours out his spirit on all flesh, whosoever will, sons, daughters, even those that are far off. But then over here he says he gives and chooses who he's going to give it to. So is God confused? No, he's talking about two different things. And it's important that you understand that. And so they spoke with tongues. And people get, they they just get hung up. With a thing of tongues. Just hung up. Man, if I speak with tongues, you know, I'm probably, they're going to want me to see a psychologist. If I speak with tongues, my family's going to think I'm crazy. But what did God say? Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. Tongues. They spoke with tongues on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 8, verse 14 through 17. The Samaritan revival. The church sent Peter and John. They, they had heard that the uh, people were being saved. And the Bible said they went there and laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. Now there's a guy that used to be a sorcerer named Simon who saw something. He saw these men put their hands on people and they begin to speak with, with other tongues. Uh, 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 but somebody said, well, it didn't say that. No, it just said they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, let's, let's explore the text. And so he went to Peter and John and offered them money to buy the ability to give that power. He saw or heard something that registered on his senses. But what did Peter say? He said, you have no lot, you have no right in this matter. If you study the word matter, The Greek word that was translated matter. You know what it also means? Utterance. Do it for yourself. You've got no right nor lot in this utterance. Samaritan revival. Acts chapter 10, the household of Cornelius. While Peter yet spake the word. Verse 44, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Verse 46 said, for he heard them speak with tongues And magnify God. That was some 10 years after Pentecost. In Acts chapter 19, Paul comes on these 12 men of Ephesus. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? They didn't even know there'd be any Holy Ghost. They were baptized under John's baptism. That was repentance. And so the Bible said he he prayed for them, laid hands on them. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Bible said they spoke with tongues and prophesied. That was some 20 years After the initial outpouring. In First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18, the Apostle Paul, writing to a fanatical church at Corinth, said to them, I speak with tongues more than you all. Now he accused every one of them of having a tongue or having a word. Then he turns around and says, I speak with tongues more than all of you. Paul also wrote this in 1 Corinthians 14, 39. Brethren, covet to prophesy, and listen to what the holy, infallible word of God said. Forbid not to speak with tongues. What happens to that verse of Scripture? (laughs) Forbid not to speak with tongues. So, we need to get past the whole tongues thing. You know, I I could stand here for the next 25 minutes and tell you, At times, on two different occasions, I spoke with a tongue and had somebody come to me and ask me, did you know you were speaking fluent Spanish? And I would say to them, you know, I I didn't do very well in Spanish in high school or college. I I learned Timoteo, and I learned Timoteo no chicle, no gum in the class. And I learned le gusta la profesora, do you love the professor? Because she's going to flunk you if you don't. But I don't know Spanish, and, and I ask, I ask uh, the, the people two times in different parts of the country what was said. Both times, same thing. Exalting Christ, we adore you. We lift you up, most high Lord. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does when he comes. He speaks not of himself, but he glorifies Christ. Which in Florida, my friend spoke in tongues, and a guy came that was a linguistics expert in, war, in the war And he said, he said, you were speaking fluent Russian. He don't know Russian. Same thing. What what did the Lord say? Same thing. We lift up the Lord. We magnify the name above every name because he's speaking not of himself, but he glorifies him. Same thing happened to me with Greek. I love to study Greek, but I can't speak Greek, but I did in the Holy Ghost, somebody told me. I could go, I could just go, you know, Sister Ruth, I remember one Sunday I spoke in a tongue and you wanted to get the recording because it was a tongue from somewhere in Nigeria. What's it called? Tell me one more time. Orogo. I can't speak Orogo. <laughs> but in the Holy Ghost. We get so we get so caught up with the tongue. And and because we're looking like this because of influences of a carnal Nature that have affected our lives. let me say this the third thing the, the why why the power of Pentecost Why is God pouring out his spirit? I'm going to give you a few reasons and we're going to pray. number one, he's pouring out his spirit to exalt Jesus Christ in such a day and time that we live. Matthew 24:24 24, 24 said in the last days there would be false prophets and false Christ that would rise. With signs and wonders, and if it were possible, the very elect would even be deceived. John 15, 26, however, said, But when the comforter is come, whom I will send you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Same thing in John 16, 14, he shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and show it to you. First Corinthians 12 and 3, no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Spirit Who is here right now. When he begins to move and is given prominence, you know who the, the star who the star is? Do you know who the main attraction is? Do you know who the main personality is? It's Jesus Christ. It's not a hot shot preacher. It's not gifted singers. It's not church leaders. It's not the board. It is all about Jesus Christ. And God is pouring out his spirit in a day where there are voices speaking in this world that are speaking against Jesus, that are speaking to tear and rip at the foundation of truth. But God is pouring out his spirit so that there will be a voice that says he is still Lord he always will be Lord and that same Lord is coming again hallelujah so God is pouring out his spirit to exalt Jesus Christ he's pouring out his spirit to bring reviving to his church Acts 17, 6, the indictment against that early church was that they turned their world upside down. You don't do that by cowarding in the pew. You don't do that by cowarding in your living room. They turned their world upside down. Do you remember in Ezekiel 37, the prophet of God said the hand of the Lord was on him and he was carried out by the Spirit. Here's the Holy Ghost at work. He was carried out by the Spirit, and he sees this valley full of dead, dried, discombobulated, disconnected bones. And he's sitting there trying to figure out what to do. And the Lord says, Prophesy. Speak the word of the Lord over this mess. And so he said, I prophesied. I love this. Every preacher ought to love this. I prophesied as I was commanded, I said what he said to say. And suddenly, there come a noise and a shaking. Uh, We need that kind of noise and shaking today. There came a noise and a shaking, and the bones started moving. And they started connecting. And the Bible said they connected bone to his bone. That is, they got connected in the right order. They got connected in the right place. They were, they were, they just started coming together. You know, shin bone connected to the knee bone, the knee bone connected to the thigh bone. You know that. You knew that when you was a child. That's what happened in Ezekiel 37. And then suddenly, up comes the skin and the flesh and the tendons, and there's a body laying there. It's a body. That's what it is. It looks like a body. Today, it looks like a church. It says church on the outside of it. It looks like a church. But Ezekiel 37 said there was no life in it. I am so sick. I am so grieved. I believe the... I've got to sometimes try to constrain myself. We, we started doing church some years ago in America where we're going to find out, we're going to let the, 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 the marketers tell us what do the people want? What do the people like? And then the church is going to start marketing this is who we are. We're going to be what you want us to be. We're going to make you happy. We're going to get you in and out of here quick. Come in and drink your coffee. Come in and drink what you want to. Go home and drink whatever you want to. We just want to make you happy. And the people begin to run to that. But dear God, there is no power. We need power. This world needs power. We've gobbled up everything that would come down the road, and what we need is an old-time book of Acts chapter 2, outpouring of the Holy Ghost. When you can't help yourself, you just got to tell what you've seen and heard. trying to move on, let me just say this to you looks like a church I remember I got a transcript of a message a pastor preached in the church and while he's preaching he's talking about how Jesus were here he'd go out and have beers with us and so he's drinking a beer while he's preaching now there's somebody that we know That was saved out of that kind of mess. But he goes to church. And everybody in the church going to, let's eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. And we're all going to go to heaven. And somebody like him says, you know what? I quit that. But I can do that in church. They got to be right because look how many people's there. Really, There's a lot of people in hell. If you're looking for numbers. And so he walks back into that mess. And everybody comes together. You can do whatever you want to. You're going to make it to heaven. It's appealing to the flesh. It looks like a body. It looks like a church. It calls itself a church. But there is no power. And I don't know about you, God knows my heart. If I want to just go to fundamental church, you might as well go to the Moose Lodge. Because what sets the church apart is the power of a risen Savior that dwells among the people. I don't want to just be a church. I don't want to just see how many people we can get to come to church. We need to do what the prophet Ezekiel did. He said, he said unto me, prophesy to the wind and say, come, O wind, and breathe on this slain that it may live. And he said, I prophesy and the wind started blowing and that thing that looked like a body but had no life began to move and the Bible said it stood up and it started walking through the land and exceeding great army. Hallelujah. Oh Lord, send the power. Hmm. we need that kind of reviving. We need that kind of reviving. We need that kind of reviving. We need the kind of reviving that'll send people back to the prayer closet. We need the kind of reviving that'll send people back to a pure way of life and walk in holy before a holy God, because you are full of a Holy Ghost! He's pouring out his spirit to revive his church. He's pouring out his spirit to bring revelation. The Bible said, interesting in in Proverbs 123, I pour out my spirit to you and make known my words unto you. Make known my words. Whom shall he teach wisdom? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Then that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. This is how you interpret scripture. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Here a little, there a little. For with another tongue and a stammering lip will he speak to this people. I remember a long time ago. Hearing and understanding that the spirit without the Word can be a dangerous thing because it will lead you to fanaticism or wildfire. The Word without the Spirit is a dangerous thing because that will bring you into heresy. But when you bring the Word of God, which is in perfect harmony with the Spirit of God together, there's an environment for revelation. For you to understand the ways of God and the things of God. You know, I, I I remember years ago. First time I ever heard it, when I was preaching in a little church, and every night these, these two women would come and they'd, oh, that was great preaching. It's great preaching. I just you know, I just learned to smile at people and go on. And But they came to me toward the end of the week. And they, were, they would always tell me what the Lord was saying to them. I wasn't the pastor. I was the evangelist. So I'd just smile and go on my way. And they came one night and they told me what the Holy Spirit was saying. And I don't remember exactly what it was. But they said, what do you think? I stood right there and quoted about seven scripture. It contradicted what they said the Spirit was saying. And I'll never forget, it was the first time I ever heard it. She said, well, I don't know what the Word says, but I know what the Spirit says. No, you don't. Because the Holy Spirit would never, ever, ever, ever say anything that contradicts the Holy Word of God because He wrote the Word of God. And when a true outpouring of the Holy Spirit comes, he comes to give revelation. He comes and is looking for somebody to pour out into to counteract the darkness that Satan has produced in this world. It's always happened. Iniquity is abounding. I don't, I don't need to go into that much. It's almost as though that we've seen an increased and accelerated invasion from hell. You look around our world, immorality, our our world and certainly our country has redefined marriage. We support in this country and around the world sexual promiscuity, lukewarmness, a filthy culture, pedophilia, Sex trafficking. We could go on on hate and racism. Do you know the Bible said in Matthew 24 and 7 that nation would rise against nation, ethnos against ethnos. That's what we're seeing right in front of our face. So what's always been that way? Yeah, it's accelerated now. And we can go on and on and on. We're living in a sin-sick culture. And if you don't march to it, They're going to look down on you like you're some kind of backwooded, illiterate, ignorant hillbilly that don't know any better. You need to get with the program. And that's why there's so many church folk that in the workplace or in the school or in other settings succumb to the pressure to tolerate and to smile when you shouldn't smile. But you can't do that. When you get fresh fire inside of you, you can't do it. Jeremiah said, I'm not going to say it anymore. I'm going to be quiet about it. I'm going to stay mute. But it was like fire shut up in his bones. And he said, I can't keep quiet. And God is pouring out his spirit. Listen to me. Not so that we can have some kind of emotional demonstration. I thank God for the Holy Ghost. I get excited. There's times I dance. There's times I spin. But that's not why he's pouring out his spirit. He's not pouring out his spirit so we can all t- think, feel good about ourselves and how spiritually astute we are. No, he's pouring out his spirit so that we can stand out there. Where there are so many voices that are speaking false things. That's against truth. People say there is no absolute truth anymore. Well, let me tell you something. There's always been absolute truth. And there will always be absolute truth. And that is the holy word, eternal word of an eternal God. Amen. But he's pouring his spirit out for that. Not just so I can come and get a good dose of something on Sunday and go live my life, come back two or three weeks later and see if I can get me another touch of something? What has happened to us? Do I preach like somebody's going to be out of town for the next few days? Not reachable the next few days. (laughs) He's pouring out his spirit to counteract the widespread rule of darkness and then he's he's pouring out his spirit so that his church can get harvest eyes one more time you shall receive power somebody come and have a little experience in an altar and say well you know I I just I just can't I can't bring myself to tell somebody about Jesus, go back to the altar. Keep going back until you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come on you to be witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and your uttermost part of the earth. The Bible said this in John 16:8. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And he does that through righteous people. And I want you to understand this. It is the only hope that this world has. The only hope for all the ills of our culture is the saving power Of Jesus Christ that will change the hearts of men and women. That is the only hope that we have. We keep having these issues in the Middle East, and well, we got certain politicians gonna fix that and make it all no, you're not. That's always been and it will be until the calendar of God comes to a certain day. There's no other hope. And God is pouring out his spirit for a reason and for a purpose. Let me just share this with you in closing. Again, John seven thirty-seven, the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, If any man thirst, <coughs> if you're thirsty, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture said, then out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And this, again, this speak ye of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. John 20, Jesus, he breathed on them. And he said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Acts 2.38, the promises to you, to your children, under all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall so call. Acts 8.15, Peter and John and Samaria, when they were come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Acts 9.17, Ananias is sent to Saul. Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared to you by the way that you came, has sent me that you might receive your sight and that you might receive, that you might be filled with the Holy Ghost. This is a biblical experience. This is a a biblical encounter. If you're saved today and you love Jesus and you have not been baptized with the Holy Ghost, whosoever will. If any man's thirsty, if any woman's thirsty, if any young person is thirsty, let them come. You don't have to beg for something that's already been given. You know, when I was young and got married, and went back to my mom and dad's house. You know what i what I'd do when I walked in? I'd go straight to the cupboard. I'd open it up and start digging around in there. My wife would say, you can't do that. It's my mom and dad's house. I have sons that do the same thing in my house. It's all right. You don't have to beg the father for what he's already made available to you. You don't. You don't have to plead with him all day long. Ask and you shall receive. For the Father knows how to give the Holy Spirit, the Bible said to them that ask him. So, I've done my best in this amount of time to tell you the truth. Oh, there's so much more because he's so vast. But if you're sitting in this room today and you say, Pastor, I need to be filled with the Holy Ghost like you talked about today, I want you to hold your hand up real high. Hold it up real high. That's it. Don't wait and see who's looking or not looking. or Don't be ashamed. This is nothing to be ashamed of. Oh, this could be one of the great days of your life. That's right. Put your hand up and just hold it up. Keep it up there. I want want what you talked about today. Hold your hand up and just keep it up. Hold it up real high. Mm. Everybody, stand with me, if you will, please. Feeling just a little bit tipsy. might know what I'm talking about? You just feel a little bit tipsy. If you raised your hand, And you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I want you to get out right now from where you're standing. Come down here quickly. Come quickly. Come on. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. We'd also like to thank those of you who give so generously to make things like this possible. If you would like to learn more about the Potter's House, you can visit us at Potter'sHouse.org or click the link in the bio of this podcast. If this message ministered to you, we pray that you would share it with your friends and with your family, and we look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you and have a great week.